Welcome to the Arise Podcast. I'm Tanya Anderson, CEO at Arise. It's my pleasure to have with me today Beth Clark, who is an education advocate for Onondaga County. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So like many people here at Arise that work at Arise, you have a personal connection to our mission Mm -hmm. in terms of serving people with disabilities. What is that? I have uh, every other member of my family, aside from me, um, has some form of ADHD or autism. So my husband has ADHD, and then I have three children, uh, ages 12, 11, and 6, with ADHD or autism or both. That is a lot in your family. <laughs> it is. Are, are, do you have boys or girls? I have, uh, my oldest is a girl, and uh, then my two younger are boys. That's great. And uh, so having three kids is a handful no matter what. It is. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And um, I have a child with a disability as well. Um, she's 18, and she has a developmental disability. So every experience is different yeah. as a mom mm-hmm. anyways. And then having that extra layer of a child with a disability Mm -hmm. makes everything different. Can you talk a little bit about your journey? Yeah. Um, We, my journey as a mom of kids with disabilities? Yeah. Okay. Um, So our first experience, Exposure to disabilities was actually in, I want to say, I guess it was probably 2012 when my oldest, my daughter, had a speech delay. Um, And we brought in EI and they did an evaluation and she was... early intervention. Yes. Um, And they, they looked at they look at kind of the whole child at that age. Right. So um, she didn't qualify according to the evaluation. And they did a CSE meeting or a C. They did whatever sort of meeting they do at that time. Right. And I didn't know that I could attend and advocate for my child to receive services at that point. I didn't understand that that was an option. Right. And how old was she at this point? She was one and a half and had like a couple of words. Right. Nothing. She could say all of her phonemes, but she wasn't putting anything together. Right. Uh, no phrases, nothing. And at that time, I was very pregnant with my second child, um, who, and I didn't want to be trying to figure all of this out while I was dealing with a newborn. Right. So, um, we just kind of let it go at that point. Mm-hmm. And then in kindergarten, she had an assessment from a speech pathologist right. of the city. And they identified a speech, a need for speech therapy. Right. So she started doing some speech therapy. She started learning how to pronounce S's. And, and she did wonderfully. I attended my first... CSE meeting under and that, that. And that's a committee for special education. Meeting. Yes. Right. Very intimidating. Yeah. Um, uh, it was in the, the downtown offices, and I remember walking in, and everybody was on the other side of the long board table. Right. In 
<laughs> at the district offices. I've never been to this building before, and I don't know any of these people. I don't know what their titles mean. I don't know anything <laughs> about what's going on here. And, um, and I remember I sat down and they said, so tell me about Sierra. And I thought, I don't even know why I'm here. What is happening? And uh, so it was, a, it was an interesting introduction <laughs> to special education. Yeah. Um, and then my second child, my son, had um, some concerns in preschool. And we had him evaluated. And again, I didn't know that I could go and advocate right. for my child. This is so... This is a story I hear so much. It's so typical that, you know, the system is yes. complicated. And for folks folks who don't know it, I mean, there is the early intervention piece mm-hmm. where, you know, folks will evaluate the kids and, mm-hmm. and talk about what services they mm-hmm. might need. Then there's a committee on preschool special education yes. system. And then there's the committee on special education mm-hmm. once the kids hit five years old. Yeah. Different set of people each time. Different and you, set of services available from each. Different set of services. They're using very technical language in these evaluations. Mm-hmm. There is a whole set of legal rights that you have that mm-hmm. you may or may not know about. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, you yeah. are you you strike me as a, a very responsible, educated person, mm-hmm. and yet there you are in that yeah. boardroom with all these folks and feeling intimidated. Yes. And your kid's on the line. Your kid's welfare is on the line. The stakes are so high. And not only that, but I'm a teacher by trade. Wow. I I have a certification as a teacher um, in high school, but it's still in the education system. Right. Um, And as a teacher, I had sat in on one uh, CSE or special education meeting for a student um, as a gen ed teacher, mm-hmm. they have to have one gen ed teacher on each committee um, to help provide reference and information about how the the curriculum works at that level. And I had taken one class in grad school regarding children with special needs, and that was it. Right. And I have a certification. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> Um, but I still, I still didn't understand what was happening. Right. Um, so when my youngest, surprise, um, was having a greater speech delay, he was probably two and a half and only had maybe two or three phrases. Okay. Um... My sister-in-law, who is a preschool special education teacher, or was until kids came along, and now she's home with kids for a little bit, um, she said, "I think there, I think there might be something going on here. Right? What's what's happening?" And I kind of just let it go and said. Well, we had we had early intervention look at him, and again, it was not too bad. And I have a report saying he's got a mild this and a mild that, but services aren't recommended at this time. And for the first time, she said, "Well, you can 
go to the meeting and ask for them anyway. And I thought, I can? Yeah. I can disagree with the professionals? How, how does that happen? <laughs> and she started to walk me through a lot of this process. She gave me language to use. She uh, encouraged me to talk to the psychologist who did some of the evaluations right. when I asked for a new evaluation in preschool. Um, she gave me questions to ask and phrases to avoid. And all of that was so incredibly helpful. And I started to learn to navigate the system. It's so interesting what you're saying because this is now your third child. Yeah. And it is many of our human nature. If mm -hmm. an expert, a professional says this is the situation, you yeah. accept it without questioning. You'd mm -hmm. Because they're the expert, like you said. The other thing I think that's interesting that you have not talked about is a pediatrician because yeah. we all, any of us with kids, mm -hmm. young kids, there are all these milestones, there's these appointments. You have this conversation with mm -hmm. another expert and mm -hmm. I'm assuming that your pediatrician never pointed out to you that any of your children might be missing some milestones. Yeah, my with my daughter, my first kid, uh, the pediatrician did say, so at 15 months, she should have several three to five word phrases. And I thought, I think she has three to five words individually right. together. And, um, but other than that, what, what my personal experience was that my pediatricians would say, do you have any concerns? Are there any milestones that you're not seeing met? And I was kind of, can you go through them? Like, Putting how do I on. know what the milestones right. are? They put it on you. Yeah. Right. And um, especially by the third kid, they expect that you know all of these things because... You've got three kids? Uh, yeah, this is my third time through this. And, and yes, I do kind of generally know the progression but um, there's four and a half years between my second and my third, and I've forgotten a lot of things. I didn't sleep very much during those years. That's right. So I don't, I don't remember when my second kid started stringing words together. Right. And I'm not sure that I even noticed. Well, and you didn't have... I mean, every kid is different, yeah. and it sounds like all three of your kids had delays, so it's, mm -hmm. you didn't have this quote-unquote typical yes. benchmark by which to mm -hmm. measure. And they all had delays, but they all had very different right. delays. And they manifested differently. Um, my second child has the most beautiful case of ADHD that I have ever seen. Tell me about that. Um, he is so amazingly intelligent. His IQ is like 130, 140. Um, this kid can make anything, modify anything. Uh, I'm trying to get him in touch with uh, Connor with adaptive design because I think he is just gonna love the idea of changing things and modifying things for a purpose. And that's a program here at Arise that mm -hmm. folks should definitely check out. Yes, it's amazing. Um, and uh, but he has a couple of things. He's got a writing disability which it makes it difficult for him to translate a 
3D object into 2D. Okay. Um, and he also has trouble with speed and handwriting. handwriting. Dysgraphia is kind of what I have, my research has told me is going on. And dysgraphia is a form of a writing disability? Yes, and it can com- it can comprise anything from handwriting, issues with spelling and punctuation and grammar, okay. um, and also less often thought of, but equally important, um, organization in writing, mm-hmm. speed in writing, being able to produce these pieces. Right. Um, and for my middle child, the issue is not as much the spelling or the grammar. He does have some handwriting issues, but it is that third piece of putting it all together. Writing is a really complex skill, right. and I don't think we appreciate that if it comes easily to us. Um, there's spacing, there's vertical spacing, horizontal spacing for each letter, there's letter formation, how these letters work together to spell a word. What is this word trying to say in this sentence and where am I trying to go in this composition? Right. And that's just a few of those pieces. And you can have a breakdown at any one of those places. Um, so he's had some issues with that, but he's also got this attention uh, deficit. It's not actually really an attention deficit, but he can't, um, it's a regulation thing what I have learned Mm -hmm. is that ADHD is often difficulty regulating your attention whether that is emotional attention or social attention or uh, mental attention physical attention Mm -hmm. all of these areas um, it's hard to regulate those and accomplish something further down the road so what does that look like can you give me an example of Sure. Something he's done or not done or that you've observed. <laughs> so um, this morning, actually, this morning, we're trying to get everybody up and out the door. My husband and I are both working this summer. And uh, my son is supposed to go to a camp. And he stayed up too late last night. Uh, he has trouble with sleeping sometimes, but I think this was just a... I'm really excited about life, and I don't want to go to bed. Okay. And he's almost 11, so... It's good to be excited about life. It's good to be excited about life, and there's not a ton I can do about falling asleep at this age. Um, But he... So he's tired, and it's late in the week, so he's exhausted just throughout the week. Um, And he's eating a Pop-Tart... Uh, food is a struggle for us. It's just one more thing. Pop-Tarts are a wonderful thing. have to do. But Pop-Tarts are a wonderful breakfast sometimes. And he was eating one today. And he, um, he's trying to eat his breakfast. And I was giving him some instructions because I'm running out the door to have this conversation. And he was getting so overwhelmed. There were too many items on this checklist. Mm. This checklist included you need to find clean clothes because you haven't put them away for several days. You need to put them on your body. You need to make breakfast. Make yourself an egg because <laughs> okay. that's that's second breakfast. 
and you need to put shoes on. So four things, find clothes, put them on, put your shoes on, and make breakfast. Right. And he is totally overwhelmed by this. That is too many things to happen in too short of a time. And he's got probably a half hour, maybe 40 minutes to do this. Right. And so he breaks down crying. And he says, do I have to go today? Will I lose my spot if I don't go? Can I go back tomorrow? Uh, and he's got tears streaming down his face. Um, he just wants to give up because it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. And his emotions are too big. And he's struggling to regulate them. Right. He's struggling to, to put them into a socially acceptable box that will help him get what he desires, right. which is some help or a break. So it's just a, it has been interesting. We've had, I've had to do so much research as stuff comes up. Right. And um, I find myself educating my child's teachers about my children, but also about this process that we're all kind of going through yeah. as well. And we had some issues with the system, the special education system this last year, and he wasn't really getting the services he needed and was prescribed. And so I actually ended up contacting a friend who is an advocate here at Arise, and that's how I got connected with this organization a little bit. Right. And she is helping me out with my child's education right even though I am also an advocate well it's 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 hard to be that dispassionate advocate when it's your child that you're talking about it's very hard to separate yes. those roles I am so passionate about my child <laughs> I can't be both I can't be mom and an advocate there are lots of people who can advocate there are lots of teachers lots of administrators, lots of specialists and special uh, education teachers and therapists and lots of these people. I'm the only mom he has. So when I go into that meeting, I have to be mom. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're going in as mom. Me too. We've talked about so many things, you know, just um, as a mom trying to recognize when mm -hmm. there might be an issue, learning these complex systems. Yeah being an advocate for your child, um, being a mom for your child. Mm -hmm. it's And as you said, um, you've got three kids, but they're all very different. Their, yeah. their paths have been different to get to this point. Their mm -hmm. journeys will be different going forward. Mm -hmm. And it, in many times, being in the situation can be overwhelming, I think. So overwhelming. And it sounds like you've been a really excellent resource, um, not only for your kids, but for yourself in terms of reaching out and finding help when mm -hmm. you need it. Yeah. What advice would you give to a parent who might be new in this situation or has been living this situation mm -hmm. for a long time? What piece of advice would you give that parent? Find people to help. Ask for help. Um, yeah, ask for help, and it can be from anyone. Ask your spouse. Um, as moms, often we take on a lot of this uh, 
role of primary caregiver or whatever, however that looks. It's not yeah. constant. Many men do it. Um, many dads are totally wonderful caregivers, but I think as women, we are raised to expect that right. a little bit more. Um, ask for help from your parents. My parents are elderly and not in the best of health. So that has been tough too. Right. So I've had to reach out to the community. Um, I have a church that is has been very supportive. My sister-in-law, like I said, has been mm-hmm. a wonderful source of info. Arise is a great resource. There are lots of organizations that are out there. Um, but find some people who can be in your, quarter, your corner. Right. You could ask your child's teacher if they would be willing to reach out to another child with special needs in that classroom or the, the parents of that child and ask if they would be willing to contact you. Right, and connect, right. Have a, have a connection, build a, build a support system. It is a very lonely road. Uh, I am the only one who knows what my child is like at home. Well, my husband does too. But right. I'm the only one who can speak to that piece of things. And it, my child is different than yours. My three children are different from each other. Right. And so it feels like I am reinventing the wheel all the time. I don't have to. There are resources out there. There's information out there. I have watched a lot of YouTube videos. I've watched a lot of um, scholarly lectures from different organizations. uh, And I review the lecturers and make sure that they are not they're not pulling some sort of thing to get money or just talking you do your due diligence i do i do some research to make sure i'm getting correct information but i am we need a team we cannot do this alone it is too much with three children my husband and i are constantly outnumbered It's three-on-one, it's two-on-one. Sometimes you get a one-on-one, but that means the other parent has two-on-one. I can't do enough. I will never be able to do enough. So I have to trust that my kids will help each other and that their friends will help them and their teachers will help them and their community will help them, um, that God will take care of them. I have to, I cannot do it myself. Mm -hmm. I just can't. It's too much. And I'm I'm not completely convinced that we're supposed to be able to do it alone. I think there's so much value in what you're saying. And this conversation has been a real pleasure to just learn about your experience. And I hope that anyone listening will be able to relate to your experience, but more importantly, hear your wisdom in terms of just doing your best and asking for help. And and giving yourself grace, too. Absolutely. That's huge. It Let yourself huge. be you, and your kid is with the perfect parents for them. Absolutely. Well, this has been a perfect conversation. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you, Tanya. Appreciate it. 
For more information on how you can support Arise, visit our website at ariseinc.org. Support Arise, support independence. Thank you.